Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I started teaching about walking in love. Love is one of the most important topics in the New Testament. Very much misunderstood. And so I've always looked forward to the opportunity to be able to teach it in a very exhaustive way. I've preached about love several times since I became a pastor, but I've never thought on it in a very exhaustive way like I'm doing now. The Bible said in Ephesians 5 from verse 1 to 2, it said, therefore, walk in love. Verse 1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And verse 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I define love as the decision to commit your affections unconditionally toward someone. So love is a decision. It is not just an emotion or a feeling. It's a decision. It is the decision to commit your affection. Now, there are two kinds of love. The first one is natural love which every human being has. Inherent in everybody is the desire to be loved and the ability to love. Natural love is very performance-centered. So most of the time when you hear somebody say, I love you, he has a reason for it. Either because you look nice or you do him a lot of good or you do something that he likes, Natural love is performance-centered, it is conditional, and it is self-centered. People love in a return for a reward. People love in return for something they want to gain. The problem with natural love is that it doesn't benefit the recipients of the love. It doesn't benefit people. It's not sustainable. It creates disappointments all the time. Because every now and then, the conditions change. The people love you because of what they get from you. The day they don't get it, you're not going to get any love. If somebody loves you because you look nice, I want to assure you, I'm not going to look nice forever. So natural love is not sustainable and it's not beneficial. It's good, but it, is, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make a difference in people's lives. But there's another kind of love called divine love. Divine love is what we call the love of God. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8 that the love of God is shed abroad. Romans 5 from verse 5. It says the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So there's a love called the love of God. Somebody say the love of God. Now, in the book of Colossians 3, the Bible makes an important statement to the effect that love is a decision that expresses itself in actions. It says in Colossians chapter 3 from verse 12 to 14, it says, 
Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all, these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So the Bible is saying in verse 14 that put on love. So divine love is not something that we already have. It's something that we receive when we give our lives to Jesus. So no unbeliever can walk in divine love. Unbelievers cannot walk in divine love because divine love is a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So when you give your life to Jesus, you receive divine love. But the Bible says that you have to put it to work. It's a put on love. Now, the NIV version of this scripture is very interesting. The NIV of, it says, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He said, put on love, which binds what? All the other virtues together. And which virtues is he talking about? He's talking about from verse 12 and 13. We heard about tender mercies. Tender mercies means special care. Special care for people. Tender mercies, humility. The NIV says compassion. So divine love has compassion. It has kindness. It has humility. It has gentleness and patience. So all these virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Verse 13 talks about forgiveness and tolerance. He said, bear with one each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then verse 14 says that love is what binds all these things together. In other words, Anywhere you see divine life, divine love operating, you will see compassion, you will see kindness, you will see humility, you will see gentleness, you will see patience, you will see forgiveness manifesting. So love is an action. Love is an action. Somebody say love is an action. Love is an action. Love is an action. So there are two kinds of love. And anytime you see the Bible commanding us to love, the Bible is actually referring to divine love, not natural love. Now, we also learned last Sunday that love is the commandment of the New Testament. In John 13, 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. He said, I give you a new commandment. New commandment means there was an old commandment, which is being laid aside, which is being put aside, 
So Jesus came to put aside an old commandment. And when we talk about the, an old commandment, we are referring to all the commandments of the law. Jesus came to put it aside and said, I give you a new commandment. It suggests that the new commandment is superior to the old commandment. Then he went on to say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Verse 35, if you love one another. I want us to look quickly at what I title the principles of love. Seven of them. Number one, love is not an option for Christians. It is a command. Love is not an option. Somebody say love is not an option. Turn to nobody and tell me love is, is a command. What is a command? It means something you are under obligation to do. It's an obligation. Love is the obligation of the Christian faith. Love is the obligation of the Christian faith. Last Sunday I said that the most important duty of any Christian after he is saved, after he or she is saved, is to walk in love. Let me say that again. The most important duty of any Christian is to walk in love. So love is a command. It is not when you feel like it, then you do it. If you don't feel like it, then you don't do it. It's a command. Somebody say love is a commandment. Some of you are not saying it. Say, say love, is a love is a commandment. All right. Number two, love is the qualification for being a true disciple of Christ. I've said a lot of, about that. What makes you a true Christian is the love of God that you practice. Not how many visions you see, not how spiritual you are, not how long you can pray, how loud you can pray, who you are very close to. Love is the qualification. Jesus said, by this shall everyone know that you are my true disciples. Number three principle of love is that love is not selective. It is for all, including even our enemies. Love is not something you show to people, few people close to you, your family members or your tribesmen if you come from a particular place your colleague workers, or your few friends. No, love is a virtue that we display to every human being on earth. Love is the decision to relate with all people in a godly way. All people. Somebody say all people. Yeah, all people. Including strangers you've never met, that you met for the first time. For you to meet somebody somewhere and not greet the person because you don't know him is ungodly. Love is not selective. It is for all. Amen? Matthew 5.43, very important scripture. And this is the teaching of Jesus Christ. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Okay, so there was a law like that. That is natural love. Natural love loves People close and hate everybody else. Divine love doesn't do that. The next verse says that. But I say to you, love your enemies. You know, there are some things you wish it was not in the Bible. There are some things when you read it, you know that this one, this is God's book. No human being can write this one. 
Which human being will take a book to write and write something like this? Only God. Love who? Love who? Your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Somebody hates you doesn't mean do him evil. People may not know that he hated you. That's why you are doing it. Do good to people who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. We are reading up to verse 48. That you may be what? The sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the task collectors do the same? Even idol worshippers do the same? What is the difference between idol worshippers and us? What is the difference between an occultist and a Christian? What is the difference between unbelievers, worldly people, and Christians? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the task collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. So the question is, how do we become perfect as Christians? When we walk in love. When you walk in love, you can become a perfect Christian. Jesus said you can be perfect. You can be exactly like your heavenly father. That's why Ephesians 5 verse 1 said, imitate God as dear children. And how do you do that? He said, walk in love. Imitate God. If you want to demonstrate the character of God, it's love. And it's not selective. It's not selective. It's not selective. Verse 43, it said, Don't love your friends and hate your enemies. Love everybody. Love everybody. What does it mean to love everybody? Relate with everybody in a godly way. Relate with everybody. How? In a godly way. Relate with everybody in a godly way. I mean, whether you like it or not, some people won't like you. It's not your fault, and probably it's not their fault. Sometimes you can't tell why it happens, but some people won't like you. Hello? Some people will even hate you for nothing you've done wrong. Some people can decide to treat you in a bad way. That is life. But, but you also meet people who treat you very good. You meet people who treat you good. Sometimes the people who treat us bad become the lessons for us that we shouldn't also be bad to people. Some of us have, have developed philosophies in life that are good to people because of how some bad people treated us. So verse 44 says something, and I want us to look at this. I want us to look at this. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. That means you must never hate anybody. Never hate anybody. Not even your enemies. Why? Because God will not allow an enemy to destroy you. Your enemy is not more powerful than your God. And it is not in your power. It is not in your power. To deal with your enemy. 
there's somebody greater than your enemy, who is God. He says, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. So you go ahead and love your enemy and leave God to be the judge. Are you here? Love your enemy. Relate with everybody in a godly way. Is it clear enough? Does it make sense? Yeah. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. What is a curse? A pronouncement of evil, isn't it? Yeah, pronouncement of evil. Now, the fact that somebody is speaking evil against you does not mean you should also go and speak evil. Do not be a Christian who says, oh, somebody is speaking curses against me to me too. I'm going to speak curses. When people curse you is wrong. You curse them is also wrong. So Jesus said, when people curse you, it won't work. So don't waste your energy about them to become a bad person. If you know the Bible well and you live your life for God, follow God well, nobody's curse will prevail against you. So you shouldn't waste your time and energy over somebody who is cursing you. No curse can no curse of an enemy can work against a Christian who knows who he is in Christ. Now, then he goes on to say, do good to those who hate you. Somebody treated you bad. You treat him bad. It means the two of you are all bad. Somebody treated you bad. The only way to show that you are a better person is do good. So if somebody insults you, it doesn't mean you should insult back. Somebody didn't Treat your child well. There's not me, you two. Don't treat the person's child well. Somebody conspired against you at the workplace. Doesn't mean you to become a conspirator. You know, sometimes you can be there, you don't want trouble, but people will push you to become a bad person. That's why today people have committed murder, even though they are not bad people. But somebody did something, and they said, This one, I'll not let it go. Whatever will go, will go. Do good to those who hate you. And the more important one, he said, pray for those who what? Spitefully use you and persecute you. What is persecution? Persecution is any wrong treatment you receive because of your faith. Persecution is any bad treatment you receive because of your faith in Christ. There are people who will treat you bad because you take a stand for Jesus. They laugh at you at the workplace. They call you names. They treat you bad because you don't want to do the bad things that they are doing. Sometimes persecution can even come from your own siblings. Persecution can come from your parents. Persecution can come... Anybody who is not happy that you are walking with the Lord and treats you bad is persecuting you. You see, so this scripture... It's very important because I want you to see exactly what Jesus said. He mentioned specific kinds of people and how we should deal with them, each of them. He mentioned enemies. Then he mentioned those who curse you. He mentioned those who hate you. And he mentioned those who persecute you. Now, somebody can persecute you without necessarily being your enemy. 
Yeah, people can persecute you without being your enemy. Someone who is an enemy is somebody who has taken a stand against you and has committed himself to fighting you. Anytime you hear the word enemy, there's always a fight involved. An enemy is not somebody who is contesting against you in an election, for example. It's not an enemy. An enemy is not someone contesting against you in a sport. The fact that he's not on your team does not mean the person is an enemy. When we talk about enemy, it's a more serious word. He's talking about somebody who hates you, wish you evil, and has committed himself to fight you through every possible means to make sure your life is destroyed. Such a person is different from somebody who is persecuting you. Most of the time, people persecute because of ignorance. Most of the time, people persecute you because of ignorance. That's why Jesus said, pray for them. Pray for them. Because they don't even know why they are persecuting you. They don't understand why they are doing that. If you hear somebody on radio calling, saying, you know, all pastors are crooks and thieves, and they are just cheating people, deceiving people, lying to people, that person is not necessarily my enemy, is he? No, he he's, has a problem with me. And the reason why he has that problem is because he doesn't understand what my work is about. So what should I treat such, do such people? I don't need to hate them, but I need to pray for them. How? That they will come to know what I know and understand that I'm not a crook and I'm not a thief. So the Bible says that we should not hate our enemies, we should pray for those who persecute us and spitefully use us. We should do good to those who hate us. Everything that Jesus said that tells you that love is not selective. Love is not selective. Because if love becomes selective, then you will always walk in hatred. You will always walk in hatred. Because then you will, you will never be able to forgive people. And then you will always be bitter. And then when you are unforgiving and you are bitter and you are full of hatred, then you become ungodly. The Bible says that he that walks in love dwells in God and God in him. The devil knows very well how that people's constant misbehavior towards you can drive you far away from God. He that walks in love dwells in God and God in him. If you listen to Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Hagin says that the Lord taught him that the key to maintaining the flow of the anointing upon his life is to always walk in love. Is to walk in love. Even towards people who offend you and those stories of many things that happened to him. Treatment, bad treatments from pastors, bad treatments from congregation members, and how that, that scripture guided him. After 60 years of ministry, Kenevagin said that one of the things he's come to learn is that people who say they are Christians and all they do all the time is to hurt people. They never make progress in life. Because he was saying in that book, he said most of the people he's talked about in this book, he can't even find them anymore. Fizzled out. Because 
God is the judge. He judges people who live ungodly, calling themselves Christians. It doesn't matter your title or what position. People who live their lives all the time to hurt people, misbehave towards people, you know, conspire against people, wish people evil, fabricate lies against people, do evil. They don't get far. So don't waste your energy on such people, amen? They don't get far. Such people don't get far. There's one renowned Bible teacher called Dr. Charles Stanley. Dr. Charles Stanley says that love is very painful, but rewarding. Charles Stanley died, I think, last month after being in the ministry for over 60 years, teaching the Bible, died at 90-something years. You see, there are certain topics good to listen to elderly people because they've seen the effect over decades. It is very painful, but very rewarding. After many years, you come to find out it's a better way to live your life. Love is not selective. Somebody say, love is not selective. Yeah, so Jesus said, if you meet some, <laughs> I like uh, verse, I think verse 47. He said, if you greet only people who love you, you are just like another worshiper. If you greet your brothers only, I tell people all the time, smile at everybody, even if you don't know them. Say good morning to somebody. It tells that you are a godly person. If you are the last to get anywhere, either in the taxi, or in a reception area, or even in the lift, when you enter, don't look around, oh, I don't know anybody. You stand there as if you don't, you've never known God before. Say good morning to everybody. Yeah, and smile at somebody. That smile can make a difference in somebody's life. You never know. And what you give, you get back. How many of you will love it if somebody who doesn't know you gives you a favor? Let me, let me see. How many of you will love it? If you get somewhere you are stranded, and you need help desperately. Someone who doesn't know you just shows up and says, how can I help you? And say, come, follow me. And just that's everything you want for you. How many of you will love that? You want it. You love it. Do that to people. Do that to people. Do that. You never get what you don't do. Do that to people. Don't say, oh, all these people here, I don't know them. To hell with them. Be nice to people, not because you know them. Don't have this philosophy that everybody is evil. There are wonderful people out there in the world. Wonderful people. You, you never believe it. You never imagine it. But they are very... Don't let one, two evil people you've ever met make you feel... Make you feel like everybody is evil. For instance, how many of you are driving in the night and uh, you see somebody stopping, stopping? You know, I never stop. Why? A few bad people have used that to rob people. So we are all careful. But how many of you know sometimes some of these people are genuine people. We need help. Okay, so they have become victims of a few bad people. That is life. Yeah, and I'm not saying you should stop in the night like that. I'm just saying that there are certain situations you find yourself in that somebody will need your help even though you don't know him or her at all. You never know where you meet that person again years later. You never know. You never know where you meet that same person. So love is not selective. Amen? All right. Number, number four. Love does not mean everyone should be your friend. Is it contradictory? No. 
You see, love doesn't mean everybody should be your friend. For instance, in this church, not everybody in this church can be your friend. Is it true? Even if you want everybody to be your friend, there are some people who don't like you as a friend. So what are you going to do about it? So I want to be friend to everybody. Some people don't want to be your friend. So not everybody can be your friend, but you still need to show them love. That means relate with everybody in this church in a godly way, but not everybody can be your friend. In your family, you have to be, make sure you have a good relationship with everybody in your family, including those you know they wish you evil. Because you know they wish you evil, you cannot make them your friends. Please, are you understanding? Yeah. Because this is where it gets very technical. Many people have been destroyed because they have misunderstood what love is. In your family, at your workplace, you have to work hard to make sure you show love to everybody at your workplace. That you are not in grudge with anybody at your workplace. Unless the person himself doesn't want to talk to you, that one, there's nothing you can do about it. If the person doesn't want to talk to you, you can't, be, you can't do anything about it. But as much as it's in your power, try your best not to be in hatred with anybody in your workplace. Including the, the ones that you know they are conspiring against you, they wish you evil, they want to pull you down, you still be nice to them. But they cannot be your friends. Because the word friend is so powerful, unfortunately misunderstood. You see, friendship is built on trust, on loyalty, on care, on agreement. For somebody to be your friend, you need to agree in a lot of things. In faith, in worldview, in values, and sometimes even in purpose. Then the person must be somebody who respects you and cares about you and is loyal to you. You love everybody, but not everybody can be your friend. Because first the Bible commands you to love everybody, not everybody is going to love you. So if you don't understand this, you can love to the point where you get destroyed. Because in the name of love, you, you get to trust people you should not trust. Now, love and trust, they don't mean the same. Love is a command. Trust is end. Love is a command. Trust is what? End. That's what the Bible never commanded anybody anywhere to trust a human being. In fact, the Bible said it's a curse to trust human beings. The Bible will never command us to trust people, but the Bible commands us to love people. We are commanded to love people, but we are not commanded to trust people. And if you can't trust somebody, he cannot be your friend. Why? Because friendship is, is expensive. It's, it's it's a risk to call somebody your friend. The level of trust must be so high because you are entrusting your life literally into the hands of somebody. You know why Abel died? Because Abel was a, a man of love, but he was not very cautious. Abel loved God so much. God blessed him so much. He loved his brother Cain. Even though Cain hated him, he loved his brother, but he did not Put the caution. Love does not mean throw away caution. Is everybody hearing me today? Love does not mean throw away caution. In fact, you love, you must love people. You must love everybody. But there are people you should be careful with. That is why it is important that even though I want you to walk in love, 
you still must take good care of your belongings when you come to church. Your bag, your phone, because you can come and not find it again. And it's not the thief's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault that you, you are not cautious about your belongings. So in the book of 1 Samuel 18, verse 11 to 15, the Bible said something about David. The Bible says something about David. He said, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain of a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Amen. Now, did David love Saul? Did David love Saul? Yes, he did. Why? Because he had the opportunity to kill him several times. He didn't. When Saul gave David's name out as a wanted man in Israel and commanded every soldier, when you find him anywhere, arrest him and bring him for a reward. Saul had told his soldiers, anywhere you find David, kill him. David was running in the bush, met Saul fast asleep, David's soldiers told him, oh, finally the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hand. David said, I will not kill him. Is that not love? Yes. David loved Saul, but he behaved himself wisely in Saul's presence because he knew that Saul was planning to kill him. So somebody's conspiring against you at work. You know it, you love him, but it doesn't mean you should play into his hands. It doesn't mean to go and tell him your secrets and tell him your heart and no. Somebody knocks at your door in the night, a stranger, you don't know him. You say, I'm stranded, I need a place to sleep. Can't say the bouncer should walk in love, come inside and sleep. If you can't give him money to go and rent a guest house or a hotel to sleep, but don't, don't keep him in your house. Uh-huh. That's not the walking in love. That's why Abel died. Abel, blessed by God, died. Many good people have died or been destroyed because they couldn't draw the line between love and caution. So there are people, you look at them, you say, I love you, but you cannot be my friend. And for God's sake, everybody listen, friendship is not false. Friendship is not false. Call somebody a friend only because you trust the person beyond all reasonable doubt that this person will be there for me in good time and bad time, in life and death, he'll be there for me. Yeah, they're not because somebody came to you seeing a lot of nice, nice, sweet, sweet things. Then oh, suddenly it's your friend. Everybody you meet is your friend. Then you don't have any friend. Dr. Otabel said, if everybody is your friend, then you don't have any friend. Dr. Otabel said, if you understand friendship, you can't have more than three or four in your whole lifetime. The rest are not. I'm not saying it to, I'm quoting Dr. Otabel. If you have more than four friends, you don't have any friends. Okay, let's move on there. Number five, love does not contradict justice. Love does not contradict justice. God is love, and his justice enables him to love people in a right way. What is justice? Justice means fairness. Justice also means the rule of law, upholding and respecting law. Justice means doing things the right way according to law. Justice means 
everyone being treated fairly. So God is love and is also just. Because if God was not just, he couldn't express his love well. So let me give you an example. John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many of you know this scripture is a powerful expression of love? The love of God for mankind. Is it? Okay, God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten son. But the Bible went on to say, so that whoever believes in him will not perish. What does that mean? It means if you don't believe in Christ, you will perish, isn't it? So now the question is, how can a loving God allow people to perish? Does God really make people perish? No. But he has made provision for you not to perish. If you decide to ignore that provision, then it's no more his fault. You will perish. He loves you, but you will perish. That is his justice. Amen? God loves you, but you will perish. Every human being on earth, God loves them, but not all, are, not all of them are saved. Every human being, God loves them, but not all are going to heaven. I've heard people say, how can a, a loving God send people to hell? No, God is not sending anybody to hell. People willfully go there. God has made provision for everybody not to go to hell. So when people decide by their willful behavior they, to want to go to hell, God cannot prevent it. His justice does not permit him to prevent it. Now, another scripture that you look at is in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. God said to Adam, you are free to eat all the fruits of every tree in the garden. And the Lord God said, commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? You shall, God didn't say you shall die. He said you shall surely die. <laughs> was God serious when he said it? Was God serious when he told Adam you will surely die? Yeah. Did Adam eat the fruit? Did he die? Yes, he died. Yes, he died. Was it God's fault? No. So God loves us. You know, in Matthew 5, 23, in Matthew 5, 23, this is an, and he said, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, not that you have something against your brother, your brother has something against you. What is Jesus saying? Jesus said, if you know you are wrong, you are coming to put offering on the altar. That will not cancel the wrong you did. If you are wrong, you are wrong. And Jesus said, if you are wrong, don't use offering to cover it. Verse 24 says, wait, don't put, leave the offering on the altar. Because we can't be sure if you take it, whether you bring it back. So you leave. The, I mean, even Jesus was very particular about this. So I said, no, 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 look at it. Leave the gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come back and then uh, finish the prayer on the uh, of offering amen but this teaching was not even about offering it was about justice it's about justice now look at the next verse 
agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, the judge hand you over to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Now, this is a follow-up on verse 24. Hello? You know he's talking about offense. Jesus said, if you know you have wronged somebody, go and make peace. It may mean going to apologize to the person, but if you know it's your fault, go and address your misbehavior. Otherwise, the person can take you to court. He said, agree with your adversary whilst you are on the way. He's referring to court. Hello? Otherwise, he will take you to court and the judge can sentence you to prison. Now, what does this scripture teach us? It teaches us that you cannot use love to take advantage of people and misbehave towards them. This scripture means that if you do wrong at work, go to your boss and beg and apologize. Otherwise, he has a right to sack you. And you cannot say that he doesn't love you. Now, this scripture, Jesus taught means that that your boss loves you doesn't mean he doesn't have a right to sack you. This scripture means that if you steal somebody's, let's say, oh, I don't want to use anybody as an illustration of a thief. Okay, let me use myself. If I go to Brabless house and I steal, he has a right to report me to the police. And the court will determine whether I should be freed or not. He shouldn't decide it. Because there's a law. You shall not steal. So you are employed at a workplace. That's why I, I tell people, if you are employing people, don't just do it over the counter. Yeah, every reputable organization, when you are being employed, there's something they call appointment letter. Number two, job description. Number three, Terms and conditions of service. So if it is, it is there, black and white, you read and you sign. You cannot do this at work. You cannot do that at work. You cannot do this at work. You cannot do that. The fact that you and the person are Christians does not mean you should go and do the wrong. And when he wants to apply the rules at work, you say, oh, he's not working in love. Because many people think that love means suspend judgment. But that is not love. Yeah. So you cannot expect that in the name of love, the wrong you do should just be taken for granted. I mean, even the issue of trust. For somebody to trust you, it's not just because he loves you. For somebody to promote you at work, it's not just because the person loves you. Hello? No, you don't promote people because you love them. You promote people because they are competent. They are competent and they are effective. And they understand the rules of engagement and they do things right. You don't recommend somebody because you love him. Yeah. You don't recommend somebody because you love the person. You recommend because the person qualifies for that recommendation. Yeah. There are people you love, but you can't recommend. One day somebody came to me and said, can you talk to this person for me about a job? 
I said, okay, I will. But I didn't. Because I know if he goes there, he will go and mess my name up, mess the company up, mess everything up. Is, too, is it that I don't love the person? I love the person. But I love the company too that is going to work. Oh, yeah. Because sometimes you think love is, you know, you cannot love people to the detriment of your company. Yeah, I cannot love you to the detriment of this church. I love you, but I love the church also. It's God's house. So as much as I love you, there are certain things I cannot permit you to do here. So love is not contradictory to justice. That is why God will always want us to know the things that when we do it, it will not be well with us. And the things that when we do it, it will be well with us. Well, if you are doing, deliberately doing the things that will make you a failure, you can't, you can't blame God for your failure. And that is why many Christians will not prosper. Many Christians will never be successful. It's not that God doesn't love them. Yeah. That, so it, what does this teach us? It teaches us that God's love alone is not enough to make you successful in life. God loves you, but that alone is not enough. How many of you know your love for your children alone is not enough to make them successful? You can love your children like anything. There are certain things your children must do in order to be successful in life. They must have a good relationship with God. They must have good character. That is why sometimes every parent here, your children don't like something, but you made them do it. You force them because you know you will need to build character into them. Yeah, recently, um, a parent was telling me, the son was saying, oh, now I understand why you are so strict on me. Because as I've grown, I look at some of my friends, the way they live their lives, and the way I'm able to discipline myself. I realized that when I was young, I didn't understand. But you compel your children to do things in a particular way because when they grow, it will be a blessing to them. That is how God's love is. The Bible said those that God loves, he chastens them. God chastises people he loves. All of us as children of God, it's not everything God will just endorse that you do because the love of God does not contradict justice. There's a problem in our society. You know why, for instance, corruption, Africa, we can never fight corruption because when people are corrupt and they are caught, they beg and they are freed. Africans are no more corrupt than Europeans and Americans. But over there, the law works. When they catch you, Asia is worse. They catch you. But here, you know, somebody will go and bring his hometown chief, uh, bring people, they'll go and beg the judge. And if the judge is strict, they say he's difficult. Have you ever heard people being called difficult because they are strict? Uh -huh. We like people who compromise on principle. And that is why we don't make progress. Somebody has misbehaved at work. There's a code of conduct. These are not things you should not do. You know it. You do it. They give you a warning. No, they first they give you a query. You do it again. They give you a warning. You do it again. They sack you. The person go and bring his wife, his children, his uncles, and then they start saying things like, you know, when he, he doesn't have anything to do, if the wife be hungry, the children will be hungry. Now, if you know. Your wife and children will be hungry. Why didn't you do things right? You know? And any employer who sacks such people, they call him wicked. You see? see? So, you know our problem. Sometimes we don't want people to say bad things about us. So we harbor evil. In our homes, 
in our workplaces, in everywhere we find ourselves. We don't want people to call us bad names. You know this thing is wrong. Love doesn't mean destroy your company. Because of one irresponsible employee, there are people you should sack because you love them. Because when you sack them, it will make them sit up and wake up and reform their ways and change. There are people you shouldn't take care of because you love them. Because if you take care of them, they become lazy, they become irresponsible, they will never think, they will never do things right. There are people you should sack from your house. Because if they stay in your house, they destroy their whole house. Destroy your children. Are you with me? There are people you should sack from your house. Because you love them. Because on the street, they will think and reform. In your house, they will never change. And you know why they behave like that in your house? Because they know you say you are a Christian. And you, you, are, you walk in love. So love has become the tool that people use to keep violating the rights of people. Love does not contradict justice. You love everybody, but you must be fair to everybody, including yourself. Let me say that again as I close. Love requires that you love everybody, but you must also to fair. You must also be fair to everybody, including yourself. Sometimes you overlook things because you are not being fair to yourself. Yeah, you are not being fair to yourself. And sometimes you need to be fair to yourself. That's why sometimes you can forgive people but tell them you can't work here anymore. Yeah, you can forgive people but you tell them you can't be my friend anymore. It doesn't mean you are evil. I still love you. If you need help, come to me for help. Anything you want, I can do it for you. You can even call and check up on the person once in a while, but me and you, we are no longer friends. Because you need to be fair to yourself and fair to everybody. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.